The Athletic. Hello everyone and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. Surprise! It's RDF Tactics at the Will. On today's show, Nick Madden from Sports Interactive helps us dabble with the Data Hub. I'm opening the Tactics showroom to show you that maybe strikers are overrated. And we catch up on your progress in the Sheffield Wednesday Community Challenge. So let's get started. Now, you may be wondering why you aren't hearing Tony Jameson's voice. He's away for this episode, but will be fully fit for the next one. First up on the show, the Data Hub. Now, I'm a fan of the Data Hub, but I've gotten into my own habits, which means I may not be utilizing it to its full potential. So today we're going to try to convince you why it's worth delving into those numbers. And to help us through all of this is friend of the show, it's Nick Madden from Sports Interactive. How are you doing, Nick? All good, all good. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Oh, not a problem, not a problem. So, Nick, just a reminder for the listeners, what is it that you do all day? So I'm the senior producer of the match team. So I lead the engineers who work on the match AI. So all the player decisions as well as them, the animations. So the players running around the pitch, playing those nice, nice animations when they're scoring the goal. So very much that under the hood, the 2D, 3D aspects and, the, and then the visualisation of that on the pitch. Lovely stuff. OK, so if we've never looked at the Data Hub before, what's the first thing that we should investigate? Data Hub, it was um, a brand new feature for FM22 like, and we've expanded on it for FM23. So after, after about three games, three league games, you will get a message from, say, your analyst or maybe it might be your, um, your assistant where they'll go, hey, why don't you come and see the data? We're, we're collecting some data in the background. And when they get into the Data Hub, straight away you're met with the over, overview page. Now, the overview page gives you elements of your like your general performance, how you're doing, and um, in the bottom corner of that, it has something called your key findings. Now, this is going to be really, really important. So your key findings, you're going to see them quite a lot in your inbox. And they're essentially just key elements of every game and what your analyst is picking out from a particular game. Where you start, have a look. Have a look at what visualizations are there have a look at what the ones that you're most interested in. Like I love the the pass map comparison. That's like, <laughs> the, again, a new feature for FM23, but something that I really wanted to see. When I play the game, I want to see, okay, how's my tactic playing out? How many passes are people making? Where's the average positions of those players? But yeah, I would say start, pick which visualizations are your favorite, set them as preferred, have them pinned on your hub. They will come through your inbox. I reckon that's the great thing about it, though, because you can tailor it for yourself. So let's say, let's say you're conceding too many goals. You can quite literally just look at those defensive stats first, and then you can kind of work your way around. But um, you mentioned the key findings. Actually, is there one that could be an example? Match momentum's quite useful um, as a key finding, because um, then you can actually see where were you dominant in the game, and like yeah. at what what times of the match are you dominant. Because 
does that match up to then the mentalities that you're then switching up and down the gears? Like, are you trying to be more dominant in the first half? Are you not? You can even look at maybe some of your subs. Were your subs, did they give you that momentum? And it's really useful. It plots out the 90 minutes. And of course, then you know, okay, usually if I do make subs in the 60th minute, am I then gaining the advantage at those times? On the save I've got right now, I've lost a few games in a row, so I'm not gaining much <laughs> momentum. A lot of my, um, a lot of when I'm say, it's really, really useful. Actually, you, you can see where you're the zones as well, where you're losing possession or when you've got possession. Again, it's so useful. Like I know that right now, I'm trying to do a high press system with my team, but actually the zone that we're winning the ball the most is in our final defensive third near our own goal. <laughs> so it tells you that we're trying to win the ball high. We're not. And then we're having to defend really, really deep because they're getting through our press. Luckily, I've got a good centre half. So, <laughs> well, one of them. The other one, a bit dubious. <laughs> okay, so let's say we're fully hooked now and we're seeing numbers in our sleep. What other deeper insights can the Data Hub give us? There's just so much data in Football Manager. So it is about trying to visualise it in the right way. There's a nice visualisation in there, even just for the XG and the XG table. So you could actually see where you really, if you were to have scored all the goals that you should have scored, <laughs> where would you be? And that, that's quite an interesting one. The attacking efficiency as well, you know, like you may want to look at how many chances you're creating versus yeah. getting. I feel like there's a stat for every position the zone maps and where you're winning the ball. Yeah, it's honestly, especially a new stat that we've put in this year as well is XA, so expected yeah. assists. Right now, in my save, because I'm quite early on, I'm not seeing that visualisation because we haven't got enough expected assists created in those games. But you can at least see, okay, how many chances are you expected to create every game versus how many are you actually creating? Really, really like interesting metrics there. I'd say the main ones, if I didn't really understand stats very much, the main ones to look out for are the polygons. So things like the general performance, because it has a few different like stats all in one. So you can almost like, see in a bigger picture. Yeah. Okay, so how am I comparing to someone else in the league? Or how are the players comparing to other players? This is just a guide, right? It's to, to help guide you with your tactical setup. And yeah, another cool feature that we put in for FM23 is to tell you if there's a good player in your league or there's a worse player in the division. <laughs> and it just gives you that information or the player of the day. That's an, another new feature for 23. So it tells you, okay, this is the best player for that, that game week. Sort of similar yeah. to they would do in the, the TV, and they, they would like put up, okay, this is the, the montage of the player as we're trying to create our version of that and almost show, okay, this yeah. player is doing this this well in this area. He was the, the say, the, either the, the top assister or top scorer, or making the most passes or making the most tackles to help you maybe identify a target or two. <laughs> <laughs> you um, touched on it about potentially signing players from it. Can you actually use the data hub in different leagues? So let's say I'm in a Premier League, but I've just, I want to scout a different league like um, in Scotland, the top tier in Scotland. Can I check data hub and see who's performing well with the data in, in the Scottish league? That would be more, unfortunately, like through your scouting packages. So yeah, yeah. Your, your data hub is more collating um, information from the league that you are playing in because it's benchmarking you against everybody else in your division. 
Um, okay, so it's yeah. more of a comparison to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, perf- perfect way of describing it. Yeah, it's more, I guess it's just like the player comparison that we have <laughs> as well in the game. It's exactly yeah. like that, but on a wider version and wider scale where you're comparing yourself against the teams in your league. The players tab, again, really useful. You can pin individual metrics on specific players, which again, like, okay, I can find out who is my top, say, crosser in the team is it how i expect my tactic to play out or is it like a, a player's got an individual player trait but yeah unfortunately it's only only for your own league um, the, the, but the scouting packages that help you out to find them um, to find some good yeah. statistics i guess when we've been making data hub changes we have been improving all the stats in the game and adding new stats every year especially like changing a lot of stats over to per 90 and um, to again make it easier for people to see what players are outputting in my league and then go, oh, when I'm looking at the scouting, oh, they're doing that? Yeah. That's comparable to my best player. He could probably fit in my system. So I've looked at the data hub now. I've made my corrections. (laughs) I've made my corrections. We've conceded too many. I've tweaked my tactic. Now let's talk about the opposition because you can scout their stats and their style of play too. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so we got the next opposition um, tab in there. So you, you can see generally what sort of type of play style that they may perform and you can also you get key findings on them in their last game so you get to see how did they perform in their last game like what what say it was their shot map in the last game so where are they taking shots from what does their pass map look like how are they setting up you can see from a pass map you can see the average position so you can genuinely see how they're going to set up or how they did set up in their last game you can see the amount of passes that are trying to play. So you know if if it's anywhere between 300-odd passes, if they're trying to play that, they're probably not trying to keep the ball as well or they weren't able <laughs> to keep a foothold. If if you're talking maybe up of five, 500, 600, they're yeah. really trying to keep the ball. So you can use that as a gauge of like, okay, are they, are they trying to keep the ball? Are they not? Am I trying to keep the ball? Am I not? If they're trying to keep the ball, should I? You know, like it, it, it just gives you a, a sort of a tally up. Um, and there's actually like a, a quite a cool stat pack in there. It's, it's hidden away under the next opposition, but you can actually see is the trend. So if you play a longer term save, you can actually see how you face up against that particular opposition yeah. over a really long time. So that that's quite useful, um, especially as I usually play in Scotland, right? So you're playing, you're playing sometimes the same team every two or three, like two, three, four times a year. So you, you can, it quickly racks up over the years of so you can see your record against that particular team. Before we even see any data, should we be looking at making sure that we've got good performance analysts? If you're playing football manager um, in the main FM game, we have um, tiers of analysis. So if, if you have an analysis of say like 15 plus, they will likely give you more advanced analysis. So we'll be able to give you different visualizations. So that's because they'll use slightly upper end stats. They'll be able to give you more explanation of what they mean, especially if you click on them. If you make the visualization bigger, you can see much more of a, a summary of what it means. Your advanced analysis is really important. Your basic you will still get a little explanation, but it'll be very, very short summary because you're expecting them to either not be as good at their job or they might not have as much of the tooling to find all the data very quickly for you for the main FM game. Having a good analyst is important because you'll get better, like 
more visualizations of more depth and yeah you'll you'll get a larger summary of what's going on last question is there anything that we should be looking at in the data hub is that like what's your recommendation do you have any secrets do you have any secrets in the data hub that you that you always go to when you open up the data hub well i i do always go to um to my past maps because I love them. Like my past map comparison is my favorite thing. Like it, without a doubt, that's like my favorite one. I think it's maybe because it might have been like my idea as well at the start. So maybe that's me being a bit more. Oh, it's nice to have your idea in the game. But yeah, um, I do think it's useful. Like for me, I'm like I want to see stuff side by side. Um, but like it. Other than that, it like I do like the zones. I think the zones are really, really important because you yeah. know sort of like where you're winning the ball, where you're losing the ball, where you're keeping possession, where you're not keeping possession. Like those kind kind of things, it's so important because football is so transitional now. It yeah. is very much like you where where do you go next or how quickly can you spring an attack or, or and it just helps to know is my tactic playing out the way I want it to, or if not look at the players tab what players are performing for me and what and who aren't because who might i need to change and tinker their player role who i may need to give a different player instruction to who i may need to replace <laughs> because they are not doing exactly what I, they're telling me <laughs> i know i'm like the the weakest team of like tackles but i'm also i'm winning the most of the ball so is that a good thing yeah i, I would say you know maybe but I've designed my system where we're trying to win the ball high and we're not. So yeah. it, 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 you know, it's a, it's definitely an interesting balance and yeah, it's certainly um, trying to play in the lower leagues of Scotland. It's difficult. <laughs> so all the information the data hub gives me is beneficial. <laughs> One of my favorite things to look at is my record against previous managers, not teams, but managers, because there's certain managers that always seem to have the, that upper hand against you but people listeners that was nick madden from sports interactive thank you so much for your time we appreciate it no thank you for having me on and yeah get to talk about the wonderful data hub you're listening to the football manager show from the athletic if you're confused about the allegations made against manchester city and want to know the ins and outs well the athletic has all the explainers you could possibly wish for in print, in video, and of course, podcasts. If you've never subscribed before, you can currently get an athletic subscription for £1.99 a month for 12 months. To do this, visit theathletic.com forward slash FM pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash FM pod. Tactics Garage Time, and to give me a hand this episode, it's producer Steve. Hello, mate. How you doing? <laughs> good, good. It's strange, isn't it, the past couple of weeks? You know, yourself, you were obviously back from your sick bed now. Yeah. Tony's off this week as well. It's a real uh, bit of an injury crisis developing on the Football Manager show, isn't it? It, it really is. Now, I'm having to be versatile today. I'm having to be versatile, but I am enjoying it. Good, good. We, we've put you into training onto sort of different uh, positions, a bit like a search for staff thing. So yeah, need to look at our medical centre a bit there, don't we? In respect to that resilience <laughs> of fitness. Anyway, 
Yeah, so it's more of a tactics showroom this week, isn't it, Aaron? Because we've um, obviously for listeners, you know that we've previous weeks in this new era, we've done the tactics garage. You sent your tactics in, Aaron looked at them, popped the hood, made some improvements. This time, we have decided to let you show off a little bit, Aaron. So this is the tactics showroom. You've got a lovely new little model that you want to show us. So what have we got? Yeah, it's a strikerless. Strikerless. We have no strikers today, Steve. No strikers. Bin them. Bin them all. <laughs> <laughs> no strikers. My first thought when you mentioned this was, oh, a false nine. And you were like, no. <laughs> no, not even a false nine. So in this specific context... Can you explain to us what is making this tactic entirely strikerless? Now, so for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see the tactic that Aaron's got up here and as he starts to change it. But for those listening, what on earth is going on? Yeah, so at the moment, we're going to kind of muddle this around Pep Guardiola. So we've got a 4 3 3 setup at the moment on the screen. And to simply make this a strikerless, we're going to move the central forward into attacking midfield. Now, the idea, it's still technically a 4-3-3. Three, three. It's kind of a full... So you know there's a full stand striker, right? The up top, you can have a full stand striker. And that's kind of where the striker is, for me anyway, where I started to watch Pep Guardiola, the Lionel Messi up top as that full stand. And it kind of resembled a, a, a strikerless formation at times because, of course... Lionel Messi will not stay up top. He would drop. He would drop into midfield, and then there would be no direct striker up top. So we're going to try and replicate that. But in Football Manager, we aren't going to use any strikers at all. Not even the full nine. And then our front three are going to be the two wingers and the attacking midfielder, still making that front three a three, basically. <laughs> so we will start off with the attacking midfielder, and the role that I'm going to go with is a Chuequatista. Bellissima. So up top, we've got a Trek T-Star on attack in the middle. So we're going to call it up top. And basically his role is when we when we run the ball, we're going to look for this Trek T-Star. He's going to be the link. He's going to be the main creator. Again, just think of Messi. And then on the outside of him, we're going to have two inside forwards. Now, these are going to be the main strikers. We've, we've removed the striker up top. We've remained that ST position on the tactic screen. And now on the flanks, we've got two inside forwards who now we've kind of created that space for them to attack. They've got no striker to run off. They're just going to run directly towards inside the box. So the front three at the moment, we've got two inside forwards, technically attackers, forwards. And then in attacking midfield, we've got that Chequa T-Star being a creative player, but he can also score some goals himself. Now, obviously, some some keener listeners and viewers may have heard uh, <laughs> the wider RDF family is not happy about this strikeless formation already. But just so as a question that I'm certainly having then, so you've got your Trequatis on attack in the middle. Yeah. Inside forward on the left and inside forward on the right, both on attack. And also on the screen, it says 4-3-3-0, which is weird <laughs> <laughs> for a start. Does that then mean that in possession, your inside forwards would effectively almost create a sort of upside down triangle when they're attack- making those attacking runs? Yeah. So during the build-up play, what naturally happens on Football Manager with wingers, inverted wingers and inside forwards is that they stay wide during the build-up. It's when we get into the final third of play is when we start to see their more natural movements. So inside forward, he's going to make those runs in towards, well, directly towards goal. Whereas a winger, you would expect to stay wide in the final third. But in the final third, we're going to have these two inside forwards being very, very narrow. And that, of course, allows for some overlaps on that, uh, from the deeper areas from either fullbacks or centre midfield, which is where we're going to move to now. 
So in central midfield, we've got a box-to-box and a central midfielder on support, which football manager has set automatically. But we're going to change these two into a Mazala. So we're going to have two Mazalas, a double Mazala, both on the supportive role because we are possession-based. I want this to be heavy with the possession. So I want two supportive roles in midfield, allowing us to build up as well. So when we're building up from the back, they're playing a supportive role. They can drop deep to collect the ball from defenders or from fullbacks. And then going forward, they're going to be that half-winger, as Football Manager likes to describe it. So for those listening on the podcast, this is the modern interpretation of the Mazala, a central midfielder that likes to drift wide and operate in the half spaces. The Mazala is essentially a central half winger, which is kind of what we want out in those wide areas. Build those lovely triangles, those lovely possession triangles. So in possession, drift out wide and try and create those triangles in the advanced areas. But when we're building up, they will still play a part in the build-up. It's worth just saying as well, sorry Aaron, that the, um, Aaron's clicking on, when you're looking at the screen, you've got, so for example, with the Mazala, you'll see M-E-Z. Yeah. And you single click on that position and it gives you that description that you just heard from Aaron, which is really worth ch- checking in. But if, you, if, if again, either you're new to the game or you've, you've developed terrible habits like I have um, <laughs> and you just ignore certain positions, it is worth, if you're feeling like you need a refresh, looking at those and just, just thinking maybe that's something that in that position if your midfield hasn't been working it's been too narrow or whatever maybe that's a position worth considering that's a good point you made as well about the roles and having bad habits because I too have bad habits is that I'm using this role because of how football manager was about three years ago but then football manager of course update their roles and the behaviors and that sort of stuff so again yeah it is even if you're not that new it is good just to double check For an example, Mazala has support and attack as well. Just check out the difference between the two and work out if it's going to be the duty for you. Now, going back to the tactic, our defensive midfielder, we've sorted out the front three. We've sorted out the two central midfielders. Now, for our defensive midfielder, we kind of want an anchor man to hold the tactic, hold his shape and protect the uh, back two as well because the Mazala likes to roam and we've got two roaming Mazalas. So we want some protection, some added protection in midfield. So we are simply just going to use an anchor man on the fen who is the water carrier and he's not going to venture too far from his position. The main job is to anchor the defence and he's just going to support the more advanced players for you. So our midfield three, a double Mazala and an anchorman behind them. I cannot tell you how hard it's been for me to not make copious references to the film Anchorman every time you've been saying <laughs> that. It's just out of respect for your tactical acumen and the feature, just just so. Yeah. so but anyway, let's move on to the, uh, the defence, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> now moving on to the back line football manager automatically has given us a fullback on support two central defenders and another fullback on support now using two central defenders isn't exactly a bad idea they're going to keep possession of the ball and just recycle it they're going to recycle the ball and that could rack up some possession numbers but at the same time we want to win the game. It's not just about keeping possession for possession's sake. It's also about progressing, getting into the final third, creating and trying to score some goals so we can win the game. So instead of two central defenders, we're going to use ball-playing defenders who have more of a license to carry the ball forward, but also play more of that killer pass. And you can play that killer pass now. You could just think you've got the two inside forwards on either flank. One of the ball-playing defenders can switch play to that inside forward or just play a direct counter-attacking ball. Or they can play a progressive pass into midfield to one of your supporting Mazalas. Now, on the outside of those two ball-playing defenders is where things get a bit 
Interested now on the right hand side, we're gonna have a fullback on attack. So we want some unpredictability. Now you ha- you will have noticed that we're using the same role, kind of. So our left winger and right winger both inside forwards on attack in central midfield. We've got a double Mazzala. They're doing the similar or they're doing similar things. So we're gonna have a fullback on attack on the right hand side. Now he's gonna get further forward, help with the overlapping, overlap the Mazzala, overlap the inside forward on the right hand side of the pitch. But on the left-hand side, we're going to use an inverted wing back on support. Now, what he's going to do, (laughs) what he's going to do is, again, help us with the build-up play. He's going to add an extra midfielder with our build-up play, but also kind of protection. Now, you don't actually think of an invited winger being a protector, but if you're thinking of the central midfielder leaving his position, if he leaves his position, we need, or we may need someone to counter that position and to stop any possible counterattacks for the opponent, which is what the inverted wing back could do really, really well. So we're going to have the anchor man and the inverted wing back, sort of our rest defense, which is if we lose the ball higher up, who have we got supporting play to try and win the ball back for us? And the two players that I've got in mind is the anchor man and the inverted wing back. So currently we've got, Back four, inverted wing back on the left, two ball playing defenders in the middle, both on defend, and then on the right hand side, we've got a full back on attack. The anchor man holding midfielder in central midfield, we've got a double Mazala, the half wingers on the flanks attacking um, wings. We've got two inside forwards and the attacking midfield, sort of the false nine, but not a false nine. We've got a Trek Artista in attacking midfield, and that kind of completes the roles for our strikerless formation. So just to, again, do that out of possession, in possession comparison, just to sort yes. of help people visualise it, slash help my tiny brain understand it. <laughs> you're your in, inverted wing back on the left. Yeah. going to come into, step into the midfield, basically. Yes. So your anchor and your inverted wing back in possession are your midfield. You're basically going to have a box, right? So your two ball playing defenders behind that inverted wing back and that anchor in possession because your fullback on the right has gone way forward he's giving you the the width so not only are we having a strikerless formation with inside forwards there is asymmetry about it as well yeah ah, i think that has made me understand everything i guess the final thing would be then are we doing anything is it a goalkeeperless formation as well well <laughs> <laughs> with a goalkeeper i do feel this is more of your preference sort of and the ability of your goalkeeper right because I don't feel in possession-based tactics there's a a simple rule when it comes to your goalkeeper because we've seen possession teams still hit the ball long it just all depends on how you want to build up and with us we're going to be flexible we are going to be flexible because I want people I want the idea of this to be used at different levels so of course if you're at the very very top level you may use a sweeper keeper on attack you'll be comfortable with Edison. At the moment, we are using Sheffield United as the example team in Football Manager. And we've got Fodderingham. Wes Fodderingham. We have Wes Fodderingham. And he's not exactly brilliant when it comes to distributing the ball. So we're just going to have to give him the flexibility. We're just going to give him the goalkeeper role. He's traditional goalkeeper. And also, we're not necessarily defending very, very high as well. So he doesn't necessarily have to act as a sweeper keeper. And he's just going to be a standard goalkeeper for us. He can throw the ball out wide to the fullback or to the inverted uh, wing back, or he can kick it long into those wider areas for the inside forward. What we do want him to avoid doing is kicking it straight forward, straight to the opponent's centre-backs. That's one thing that we want to avoid happening. 
Okay, well, that leads us nicely on to our boxes. If you look in your tactics screen on the left-hand side, in yes. position, in transition, etc. So should we start with in possession? In the context that you have a keeper who isn't necessarily the best passing it out, what would you do? So with the mentality, which we're leaving this on balance today, we're going to leave it on balance. Again, the idea is so it could be used at different levels of football. <laughs> Attack hmm. the width, though, we do want to stretch the play, make the pitch as big as possible and this will just this also helps with the movement in the final third as well again we have no strikers we want a lot of roaming around and we want to stretch the pitch we want to disrupt the opponent's back line as much as possible we are going to play out from the back we are playing out from the back hoping the keeper can help us play out from the back but he's also got some distribution instructions which is where we can change things and we can make it more versatile he can throw it out to the flanks rather than having to use his feet to play out from the back now we're going to overlap on the right hand side because we do have a fullback on attack and that's what we want we want him to overlap the inverted uh the inverted forward on the right hand side but for the left hand side we're going to use an underlap now what an underlap may do is ask the left winger now just to hold up the ball and wait for a runner this could be the mazala or it could be the inverted wing back that we have set up on the left hand side and in the final third which is going to work the ball in to the box and that is our in possession oh passing directness passing directness is going to be short of course because we want to keep possession of the ball so that's interesting because my initial instinct where before we got to this when you're talking about having two inside forwards is that you're going to choose a yeah. really narrow attacking width yeah but so why with two inside forwards have you gone for the width then because the attacking width is sort of it's still sort of your build-up play and how you're approaching and how your attacking width still is still going to be your how you're going to build up from your defensive third through to the middle third and then into the lastly your final third. So when we've got the ball in the deeper areas, because the players are naturally going to be uh, looking to make narrow movements anyway, especially with the inverted wingbacks as well, which is we really need to stretch the pitch, make it as big as possible. This helps us keep the ball and retain the possession of the ball, which is what we want with a heavy possession base. We want to retain the ball, make the pitch as big as possible, but also create depth. Now, as you would notice um, on the left-hand side, we've got a player on support and then we've got a player on attack. And when that's doing, it's also creating depth. So you've got one player higher up, then you've got another player lower deep and you're creating depth, a big space in the pitch. And that's what we want as well. It's all going to help us retain the possession of the ball. Okay, what else do we need then in our in-transition, out-of-possession, that sort of stuff? What else are we tweaking? So when the possession has been lost, we are going to counter-press to try and win the ball back instantly. For possession, in order to be in possession, you need to have possession of the ball. So when you're out of possession, you want to win the ball. And then when possession has been won, we're just going to hold our shape. Now, we're just going to maintain our shape and be patient. We're going to be patient. You can notice with the tempo as well, the tempo set to standard, which is matching the balance mentality. So it's balanced. And we're just going to, when we win the ball, we're not going to move too fast. The first pass doesn't have to be forward. We can be patient and work our way, work our opening. You've mentioned in terms of when we when the ball is lost with this side, the counter, what else do they do out of possession? So out of possession, we will operate with a high press. So we're going to have a high line of engagement and the standard defensive line. You can actually increase the defensive line to higher and all that's going to close the gaps that you have, your defensive gaps in between the lines. So the space between your defence and your midfield and then the space between your midfield and your attackers. But given that we have no striker, I don't feel we have to start with a higher defensive line. The space between our attacking midfield and our midfield, our central midfield, it should be 
it should be small anyway. So I don't feel we need to make those lines in between the space any smaller. But for the trigger press, we will have much more often and prevent the short goalkeeper distribution. Again, working really hard out of possession to try and win the ball back so we can then be in possession and flex our possession football. Okay, I'm going to stop you uh, giving a chance to show off now. I think that's more than enough for, for one show. Uh, that is a very, very fancy tactic. And um, if uh, there's a lot in there. So yes. for people who are sort of new to the game and don't have uh, thousands of hours playing on it, what's the one thing if you could pick out of this whole exercise that you could offer to people as a thing that's worth looking at when they're still using your the game's preloaded formation so I'm looking at the approach play and I'm looking at how we're attacking and for me unpredictability in attack is it's massive it's very underrated I feel sometimes I look I do look at people's tactics and they're kind of they've got a winger on the left and they've got a winger on the right and it's sort of the same things are happening mm. whereas now if you're thinking of an AI manager and you're just thinking well how do I stop that winger on the right-hand side? And it's going to be the same way. If I can stop that winger on the right-hand side, I can stop the winger on the left-hand side because they're doing the same thing or similar thing. Now, me using underlap on the left, but an overlap on the right is unpredictability. In attack, we've got players doing different things. So we've got a right-back making his way um, on the outside of the inside forward, whereas on the left-hand side, we have runners making runs inside the inside forward. And that there is unpredictability. The defenders don't know what's going to happen. It's two different, it's different attacks on different side of the flanks. Is that, mm-hmm. that makes sense? Yeah. And that, 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 that does completely. So you, uh, if you guys are listening and you lost yourself a bit there, disregard the entire <laughs> tactic, you take one thing away from this, go into that in possession, look at your approach play, have a think about, you have red as an option. So if you press under that left, that obviously means you're going to overlap less. Less. Yes. So you press one to make it green, that corresponding one goes red. The option of not having them on either is, is open to you, just clear, which yeah. doesn't focus on any particular thing. Obviously, earlier in the show, people heard Nick Madden talking about the data hub and the opposition scouting. So, for example, if your data hub tells you that the opposition are particularly weak on that right-hand side of their defence, it might be worth focusing your play down the left because for that specific game, you want to just attack them down the left because you know that's where they're weakest. Um, And that is an example where your approach play, tweaking it, as Aaron just illustrated, may help in a specific one game scenario. Exactly that. And again, to tie in with the data hub stuff. Now, if I was going to look into the data hub, one of the things that I'll look straight away is the fullbacks and their progressive passes because we are distributing the ball to the fullbacks, but also we're stretching the pitch. So the fullbacks are possibly seeing a lot of the ball. Now, one way to see if we're progressing up the pitch is to see if the fullbacks are playing progressive passes or not. And if they are, you're fine. If they're not, then you can simply add, take more risk into their player instructions or direct passing with their passing directness again in that player instruction. Well, thanks very much for the tactics show, Marin. I am thoroughly impressed. Thank you. <laughs> Community challenge time. And before we go through some correspondence from you, a very quick run through again of the tiers and rules. Please, Steve. <laughs> okay. Since you are so nicely, Aaron. <laughs> so we have our tiers. So starting from the bottom, working your way up. Bronze, which is take your time, chill out, be free. Don't worry about promotion, etc. Do try to not get sacked, though, which we've already learned from the Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday Challenge, is that first season, you've really got to get out of League One. So to be honest with you, as much as we said this at the time, the pressure is on with this challenge, unfortunately. But that is the bronze. Next up is silver, which is reaching the Premier League in five seasons and signing whoever you want. 
if you want it to be more difficult, if you want to go for gold, get to the Premier League in three seasons, so not five, but three seasons. So you're basically talking about consecutive promotions. Uh, in fact, you literally are. <laughs> not basically. <laughs> Only signing players from Yorkshire, and that can be defined as the sort of historic county of Yorkshire, as long as there's a, a valid case for Yorkshire. We'll get into more details about Yorkshire because that has been the very much the most confusing part of this whole thing. <laughs> That's the gold. Platinum is similar to gold. Get to the Premier League in three seasons with only signing players from Yorkshire and also only signing staff from Yorkshire. And before you're in the Premier League, you have to have qualified for Europe by winning a cup. So you're talking League Cup and FA Cup. So Platinum's hard. Platinum's hard, but it's why it's there. It's the top one. So uh, beyond that, though, there are a few key rules, aren't there, Aaron? Yes. Yes, there is. You can only sign Yorkshiremen as players and staff. We follow the grandparent rule. If the player has a grandparent or parent that was born in Yorkshire or indeed themselves were born in Yorkshire, you can sign them. Or if they've been at a club for five seasons, they can take their Yorkshire citizenship for an example, Barry Bannon. Exactly that. So that's obviously, as mentioned earlier, for the platinum and gold tiers, those are the key stipulations for the Yorkshire rule. Anyway, in terms of your correspondence, Big Rogie has been in touch via the Discord. They say, it might be super late to this party, but let's go. Now, <laughs> welcome, welcome. You know, if you want to start now, it is very much not too late. Obviously, we've gone through, but, you know, pick it up now and we would love to hear how you're getting on through your story, your season one, your season two, etc. So don't necessarily, if, you, if you're worried it's too late because we are, some people are further ahead, don't worry. We'd still love to hear how you're getting on, what your adventures have been in those different seasons. Big Rogie is a good example of this. They have started, uh, they're going for gold. So far, they're marquee signing. And this is the stuff I really, really care about <laughs> the most. These sort of like references, names from the Premier League past, basically what I care about. Cameron Jerome is their marquee signing. Wow. Um, that's a lovely bit of business. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> Welcome, Big Rogie. Do keep going and let us know how you're carrying on. Yes, and Paddy9596 has a citizenship question. The citizenship rule, does it have to be at a Yorkshire club for five years continuously or is it a total? For example, I'm looking at a player who was at a Yorkshire club for three years, then left for a few and returned to a Yorkshire club for a further two years later in his career and yes Paddy it does count you're good to go you can sign him you've got the green light exactly and also we should say as well loan spells do count within that too we just did we hang on a second I'm just realizing am I contradicting my past self here at the past show <laughs> the where their boots are playing if they are playing in Yorkshire for they have a loan spell at Yorkshire Club that is one year if it's a year-long loan so it all it can count cumulatively across. So, for example, if someone's had a 10-year career and they've had five seasons at a Yorkshire-based club and those have been dotted through that 10 years, they can get citizenship. This is how we are defining it. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned, the medals are starting to come in, Ooh. which is very exciting. And we'll focus on those more when Tony is back, just so he can hear about all the achievements that other people have had that he hasn't had. <laughs> um, <laughs> but here is, here's, here's a quick one from Big Underscore Dave, again from the Discord. Uh, because it might have a bit of an asterisk on it. So um, Big Dave has made it to the Premier League. He's made it to the Premier League after his second season. So it's a su successive promotion here. So potentially on for the gold. However, 
this is where the asterisk comes in. <laughs> I shattered my wage bill and put the club in dire financial conditions because I wanted to survive wanted to survive relegation in that first Premier League season. But I've lost my first seven games and currently land twentieth, seven in a row. That's hard to come back from. How can I improve morale and stop this run of bad form? <laughs> because if I don't survive this season, <laughs> we might end up bankrupt. Now, uh, what do you think about this, Aaron? Because I'm just sort of like, sure, you've technically got to the Premier League, but at what cost? Yeah, he's got a, he's got a quality meeting. He's got to be <laughs> yeah. a team. To be fair, like the, it, it wasn't the first three games. They weren't kind at all. It was Manchester United away, Liverpool at home, the Manchester City at home. So you're kind of expecting to lose those games, but I think that kind of set the tone for the rest of the games. He scored one goal in those seven games. Uh, I mean, how could you improve the morale and stop the bad form? Check the data. (laughs) (laughs) My first thought there as well was like, considering the financial situation, can he genuinely afford the phone bill to call a team meeting? I'm not sure whether he actually necessarily can. I'm not sure. But yeah, so I don't know because, hmm, I feel like if you've bankrupted the club to get to the Premier League, first of all, if... Big underscore Dave does win the gold medal. He's going to have to pawn it to deal with the club's horrendous <laughs> financial situation. But it's also the spirit of it. I don't know. This is a moral rather than a sort of rule-based yeah. question, isn't it? But congratulations, big underscore Dave. Do let us know what on earth happens next. Because that's a tough one from a morale point of view to to get into. And maybe the data hub, if you've got any performance analysts, <laughs> is the one. I don't know. All right, Aaron, where should we go next in terms of where to tell people to where to progress to? If you haven't already, then get to the end of season two and let us know how your prospects are for season three. Lovely. We just heard from Big Underscore Dave there that his prospects for season three are not good. So hopefully some of you will be better there. But anyway, yes. For longer letters, do keep those coming in to Ian McIntosh at imacintosh at theathletic.com, imacintosh at theathletic.com. If you need to bring your team to the Tactics Garage, tweet us with a screenshot of the tactic and what is wrong with it. And of course, the FM Confessional is waiting for you. And that was the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Your guest today was Nick Madden from Sports Interactive. Your host host was me. RDF Tactics. Your producer was producer Steve Hankey, and the show is normally presented by Tony Jameson, who will be back in the next episode. It's been a pleasure, it's been a joy. I will speak to you guys in the next episode. For now, I will see you guys soon. Stay safe and peace out. The Athletic.